This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to New York. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! What is going on, Devils fans? It is, once again... Your host, your boy, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as Sportswire Radio, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. As always, guys, I hope you're having a fantastic day if you're listening to this podcast episode Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And also, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored by our awesome friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure to go to DraftKings right now, sign up, use our promo code THPN, and tell them that Neil Villapiano sent you and before i uh start this episode and everything like i normally do i do want to take a moment to just say a big thank you to everybody um that took time to listen to my previous episode episode 80 which came out last week it was the only episode i did last week um it really meant a lot to me because as again if you did listen to the episode you'll understand but if you didn't uh last week i was definitely um in a fog i was definitely dealing with some depression and i was really really down on my luck i mean it really was a uh, a tough couple of days for me and even earlier uh later in the week it was still a little bit uh touch and go but as the week progressed and we got into the weekend and things like that I got better and better and I feel a ton better today you know talking to you guys and doing this episode which is great because you know whenever I do these episodes I want to give you guys the best and most energy I can give um, whenever I do these and just for you guys to reach out because a lot of you reached out on Twitter at Devil State and also on Instagram at Devil State of Mind. You guys reached out a bunch to uh, offer your uh, love and support. And it meant a lot to me. It really did. Um, And there's just so many people out there. There's too many people 
to uh to name and i don't want to name just a few people because then i feel like i'm uh, discrediting others but again thank you guys so much for all the support um and understanding that you guys had given me um during that very uh very tough period and uh you know i know that it probably won't be the last time in my life you know based off of everything i told you guys um but i feel pretty i, I feel a lot better today and i feel like it's going to be good for a while and I'm going to continue to put my best foot forward and continue to give you guys the best content uh, for devil's hockey out there in the podcasting world. So again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys so much for all of your support and understanding and showing your appreciation to me. I appreciate it. And uh, as always guys going to continue to move forward and uh, you know, talk about the thing that we all love to talk about and that is our new jersey devils and with that being said we kind of segue into it somewhat perfectly we have a bunch to talk about here today on this edition of the devil state of mind podcast some of this stuff is relatively old i mean not terribly old but uh just for me and uh for you guys who listen to the podcast to kind of catch up if you haven't already the devils have made a couple of different moves uh, including one hiring which is interesting the Devils also made an announcement that involves their prospects, which I think is a really interesting thing we're going to talk about. And then we're going to finish off this episode with the most up, updated information on the Jesper Brett contract extension. And uh, what has happened over the last week um, kind of gives you a pretty good idea as to what may potentially happen throughout this week. And I will say this as well. Depending on how things go by Wednesday, um, we might have a very interesting episode. I think in general, I think either way we're going to, but you know, by Wednesday, we should have a pretty good idea as to where the Devils and Jesper Bratt will be, um, maybe just for this season, maybe just for next two, maybe even long term. So I'll give more information throughout all of that once we get to that point in the episode, but as always, guys, we have a bunch to get to here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So the first topic I wanted to discuss is actually a player on the Devils who was a restricted free agent that actually accepted their qualifying offer because uh, earlier this offseason, the Devils threw out a qualifying offer to all of their restricted free agents and currently... Only one accepted their qualifying offer, and it happened back on July 22nd. So late, not this past week, but the week before, the Devils announced that forward Jesper Boquist had accepted and signed his qualifying offer. The qualifying offer is a one-year, two-way contract, which, in case you guys don't know, a two-way contract means that uh, if you're playing in the NHL and you get sent down, you don't have to go through waivers. So that's kind of a benefit to the two-way contract. But it's a one-year, two-way contract worth $874,125 at the NHL level and $70,000 at the AHL level. So obviously, if Boquist can stay up with the big club, he'd be certainly playing for more money than he would be if, he go, if possibly he goes and plays for the Utica Comets. Now, Jesper Boquist, who is still incredibly young, uh, has already played three seasons in the National Hockey League. And 
when you look at this past season, and we've talked about Boquist before, this was arguably his best season. This was the year where I felt like he really was able to establish an identity for himself and establish a role in the NHL and certainly with the New Jersey Devils. Uh, this past year, Boquist set career highs in games played. He played in 56 goals. He got the double digits with 10 assists. He also got the double digits with 13 and finished with 23 points. Now, obviously, to a lot of people, certainly guys outside the organization, that may not seem like a big deal. Considering the fact that a couple of years ago, more like four or five years ago, Jesper Bokus was considered our top prospect. He was a guy that a lot of people had high hopes for, especially with the success he had, um, you know, playing overseas and playing in his home country of Sweden. But, you know, Boquist was always struggling to find a role. He would always, you know, I, again, he would always come up to the big club, not really do a whole lot. But the second we'd send him back down to the minors, he started doing well again. So I think the assumption for a while was that Boquist was a guy that was a really good AHL player, but a mediocre to not so great, um, what do they call it, NHL player. But like I said, ever since he got call called up the last time um, this past season, he really, really took that opportunity in stride and made the most of it, which is actually great. Uh, Boquist also recorded a three-game goal streak and a four-game point streak, which also were career high. So again, without question, especially when you look at it from the stats, Jesper Boquist, excuse me, Jesper Boquist, this was his best uh, season by far. Additionally, Boquist achieved a milestone last season as he skated in his 100th career NHL game back on March 23rd. So Boquist, despite being young and granted, I mean, most of the team is still relatively young. He actually is considered to be a relative, uh, a veteran, considering that he's played now in over 100 games in his NHL career, in 119 career NHL games to be in to uh, to give you in total, Boquist has scored 18 goals, 16 assists for 34 points with 20 penalty minutes. So think about that. Boquist had 11 points in total going into this past season. He had eight goals, and he had um, excuse me, he had. Uh, yeah, no, I was right. He had eight goals and three assists uh, going into the season with 11 points. And now he has 18 goals, 16 assists for 34 points. Um, that is really remarkable. He was able to add, you know, he, he was really, really remarkable that he was able to um, really, really do well. And he's a guy that I, I really do expect to be on the team when the season starts next year as a bottom six, you know, winger that, that also could play a little bit of center if we need to, but mostly a winger um, and a guy that could also be a solid penalty killer as well. So uh, yeah, I think this was uh, something that, you know, a guy like Boquist, you would expect him to probably just take the deal and run because who knows what kind of um, interest he would have gotten on the market. I think I, I, I hate to say it, but I honestly don't think anybody would have been that interested interested in uh, Boquist. But the Devils obviously are relieved and thrilled that Boquist signed his qualifying offer for a one year deal. So after this year, Jesper uh, Boquist will become an unrestricted free agent. And we'll see if Boquist can take another step forward in his development and have an even better year than he did in 2021-22. So again, Jesper Boquist has accepted his qualifying offer for a one-year contract worth uh, just under $875,000 at the NHL level and $70,000 
exactly at the AHL level. So Jesper Boquist is back for another season with the New Jersey Devils. So next thing was a massive, massive breaking news type thing when they announced it, which was last Tuesday. And it was something that I don't think really any of us were talking about very much, considering, yeah, yes, uh, Jesper Brad has been the biggest thing that we've talked about for weeks, for months, you know, involving, you know, internally with the team. But we did know that over the next year, that uh, there would be some guys that would end up being free agents. And it was a matter of what were the devils going to do with those guys long-term? Well, they answered one of those questions because last Tuesday, the devils announced that they had signed defenseman Jonas Siegenthaler to a contract extension. And it was a long-term contract extension with honestly a very fair and somewhat of a steal when it comes to the average annual value. The full details is is a five-year contract extension starting in 2023-24, so next season, and it'll be worth $17 million with an annual average value of $3.4 million. Now, I was able to get the breakdown um, from Cap Friendly on this contract, so shout out to Cap Friendly. Those guys are great at what they do. If you want to understand about you know cap situation and, and anything that involves the salary cap, especially in the NHL, cap friendly is the best place to go. So here's the breakdown for the money um, each year for uh, Siegenthal and his contract extension. So again, it starts in 2023-24. He'll be making $4.25 million. The year after that, 24-25, he'll be making $4 million. 25-26, he'll be making $3.2 million. 26-27, he'll be making $3 million. And in the final year of that contract extension, which is in 2027-28, uh, Sigatar will be earning $2.55 million. So, if you look at it, the first two years of the contract, 23-24 and 24-25, Sigatar will be making four or more, um, uh, either $4 million or more uh, money in those two years. And after that, it, it slowly decreases over time. So <laughs> if you think about it still, you know, Siegenthaler getting just over $4 million is a pay raise to him. And honestly, very reasonable for the devils as well. And as it goes down the, as the contract um, gets older and uh, ages, it will not age poorly at all. And you're looking at arguably one of the best defensive defensemen in the NHL. You look at the way a lot of people have talked about Siegenthaler over the year, not just in Devil's Land, but also throughout the NHL. I mean, Siegenthaler is a tremendously talented defensive defenseman. He's not going to get a lot of points. He's not going to get a lot of goals. But he will certainly play his role, his main role as a defenseman, super, super well. And I've argued to say that I think that he should certainly be our number one left shooting defenseman paired with Dougie Hamilton going into next season and beyond. And uh, I think for us to lock down a guy like Siegenthal, who we got for very little in a trade with the Washington Capitals, not this past year, but the year before, I think is a job well done by Tom Fitzgerald. And Tom Fitzgerald has made a lot of really, really smart moves to solidify the defense. Because we talked about before, look at where the defensive core was when Fitz took over. And look where it is not only in the now, but in the future when you look at it as a whole. Now, here's some other notes about Siegenthaler, in case you're not uh, fully aware. Uh, he set career highs across the board last season. In games played, he played in 70. He had 13 assists 
14 points, uh, which means he had one goal, and shots on goal, which was 92. And in all-time on-ice metrics. So that's kind of something that has become very popular in the NHL world, especially on Twitter. And that's another reason why a lot of people really love Jonas Sigurdahl because of his metrics and how really good he is on that defensive side. Sigurdahl also led the Devils defenseman in hits, ranked second among the team in blocked shots, and was third in shorthanded time on ice time on ice per game. So again, Sigurdahl are clearly proving that he's one of the top two defensemen on our team. And prior to the start of this past season, 21-22, Sigurdahl had signed a two-year contract worth $2.25 million with an average annual value of $1.125 million. So uh, Sigurdahl will be on the last year of his current deal. And then starting next season, like I mentioned, he will begin his contract extension. So I think that is a really, really awesome job by Tom Fitzgerald to get another guy on our defensive core to sign long-term. Because if you think about it, we look at it now. What do we have? We have Sigathal locked up. We have Dougie Hamilton locked up. Uh, John Marino was already locked up when we traded for him because he had already had a deal done with, um, with the Pittsburgh Penguins before being traded to New Jersey. And a couple of other guys. And I think that it's, it's really, really good. And then we have some young guys like Luke Hughes, uh, Simone Nemetz, Kevin Ball. You know, I've mentioned a lot of these guys before. Um, and this, again, brings up the whole question about David Severson because his contract will come up at the end of the year. And I think that I, I personally think it's going to be a wait and see approach, uh, especially with Jesper Brad still unsigned at this moment. I think that it's going to be a wait and see approach. And I think it may go on until the season starts and to just kind of see where the devils go. And I think that Severson probably understands that Severson has talked about wanting to stay here, but the devils just may look at it and say, well, we have options that are going to be cheaper and uh, could certainly be uh, well, and are going to be here probably longer because they're younger. Uh, and Severson, like we mentioned before, has some pretty good value according to a lot of people outside the devil's organization. So it is going to be one of the handful of things to keep an eye on once the season gets underway and how the Devils go. But going back to the point here, the point is, is that the Devils lock up Jonas Sigurdahl to a five-year contract worth $17 million for arguably one of the best defensive defensemen in the National Hockey League at this moment. So a big, big A-plus contract extension there for, uh, from the Devils for Sigurdahl. Now I guess we'll see if they can uh, get an A-plus contract extension for a certain number 63 at some point this uh, offseason. But really pumped to have Siegs not only here for this year, but for several years moving forward. So the next thing the Devils did happened last Friday. And uh, it, there was really, there was no rumblings about it. Because um, when you look at it, when you look at uh, when the Devils signed Andrew Burnett, we had known about it for a couple of days prior to the Devils making it official, and we had heard rumors that the Devils were interested in hiring Andrew Burnett. Well, the Devils still had to hire another assistant coach uh, specifically for the defensive side, and there was no rumblings prior to this happening. But on Friday, the Devils officially announced that they had named Ryan McGill as an assistant coach to join Lindy Ruff's staff. Now, here's some information that was provided to us from the Devils website that kind of gives you a background as to who McGill is. 
So first and foremost, Ryan McGill is 53 years old. He has been an assistant coach for the past five seasons with the expansion, well, now no longer, but the Vegas Golden Knights from 2017-18 through 2021-22. He helped Vegas reach the Stanley Cup playoffs in four of the team's first five seasons, including becoming the first NHL expansion team to advance to the Stanley Cup final, which was back in their inaugural season of 17-18, since the St. Louis Blues in their first year after the first expansion in 1967-68. McGill's previous NHL experience includes serving as an assistant coach with the Calgary Flames for two seasons in 2009 and 2010 and 2010 and 2011. He was promoted from that position to that position after four years as the head coach of the Flames American Hockey League affiliates in Quad City in Omaha. He was also the head coach of the AHL's Hartford Wolfpack uh, from 2003 to 2005. And McGill's coaching career ga- began back in 1996-97. He was an assistant for the Edmonton Kahootenai Ice of the Western Hockey League, which is in which is junior, so WHL. And he had served as a head coach for the Ice from 1997-98 to 2001-2002, culminating in the Ice winning a Memorial Cup that final season. McGill later returned to Kahootenai uh, um, as head coach in 2012-13 and earned the WHL's Coach of the Year award. In 16-17, he was awarded OHL Coach of the Year, after a successful campaign with the Owen Sound attack. After two seasons with Owen Sound, McGill was then hired to join the Golden Knights coaching staff. Now, here's a little bit of information that we found that actually shows somewhat of a connection between McGill and someone within the Devils organization. A native of Sherwood Park, Alberta, McGill was selected by the Chicago Blackhawks in the second round, 29th overall, in the 1987 NHL draft. The right-handed shot defenseman played in 151 career and eight career regular season NHL games before his career was cut short by injury. Over those games, McGill scored four goals and 15 assists for 19 points and 391 penalty minutes with Chicago, Philadelphia, and the Edmonton Oilers from 1991-92 to 94-95. McGill led Philadelphia with 238 penalty minutes, obviously uh, definitely embodying uh, who the Flyers are. Um, in 1992-93, and was teammates with Kevin Deneen, who currently is the head coach of the Utica Comets, when they played from 1992-93 to 94-95, when each of them were part of the Philadelphia Flyers. So, McGill, obviously, being a former player, being a former defenseman, and doing a really good job on the defensive side with the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, he developed guys like White Cloud and Shea Theodore and, um, you know, guys like that. And you look at what he was able to do in Vegas and you look at what the Devils have and you say, this is a really good upgrade. So Neil McHale, who covers the New Jersey Devils, he uh, he put this tweet out after the Devils made the announcement of hiring Miguel. He said, under Miguel, here's how the Vegas Golden Knights penalty kill did. 17-18, they had an 8.81.4 uh, succession rate tied for eighth in the league. 1819, 80.9 tied for 10th. 1920-76.6, which was 23rd. 2020-2021, which was the best. And 21-22, which was his second worst ranking. It was 77.4, which was 21st in the league. So pretty good. Pretty good considering that three of those five years, his penalty kill was in the top 10. 
which is tremendous. Now, in those same seasons, here's how the Devils did on the penalty kill, mostly under Elaine Nazardine. 1718, they had 81.8, which was tied for seventh in the league. 1819, 84.3, which was second best in the NHL. If you remember a couple of years ago, we, we had a really good penalty kill and a crap power play. Uh, 1920, we had 82.4, which was seventh. And then 20, 20, 2020, 2021, uh, which was 71.0, worse than the NHL. And then this past year, 21-22, 80.2, which was 14th. So you look at it and you say that both McGill and Nazardine, um, which granted, I mean, Nazardine kind of like took over the last two years, basically, um, when, you know, Lindy Ruff took over. So when you look at it from that perspective, the penalty kill has gotten relatively worse since Nazardine kind of retook over the defensive side. So again, the Devils decided that they needed to make a change and they got a guy who has a lot of experience, helped an expansion team reach the Stanley Cup finals and develop some really, really good defensemen over in Vegas. I mean, I look at Shea Theodore as the prime example of a guy that, look, he wasn't highly ranked when he got drafted, when he got taken by the um, by the Vegas Golden Knights in the expansion draft. Um and then he comes over and becomes a guy that could potentially win a Norris Trophy in the future. So McGill definitely does a really good job of developing defense and certainly getting the penalty kill to be where it is. So this is definitely <laughs> a upgrade and a guy that is going to help us tremendously on the defensive slash penalty kill side, which is what we need. Now, Ryan Novazinski of NJ.com reported that according to what he was told by people um, from the Devils, that the Devils may not actually be done with their assistant coach hirings. So the only other um, position that I can think of is the goaltending, which Dave Rogalski is still technically at this moment, the goaltending coach for the New Jersey Devils. Now, we have to remember that Andrew Burnett was hired as an, um, not an assistant coach, but an associate coach, which I don't know how much of a difference there is, but there may be a third assistant coach that gets hired prior to the season starting, but there may, there may very well not be another hiring. But uh, Novo said that the Devils may, may not be done when it comes to hiring assistant coaches. But the Devils hire their defensive assistant coach in the form of Ryan Miguel. So this is a really, really solid hire. And uh, just like with Andrew Burnett, very interested to see how he can help this team, especially on the defensive side, take another step forward. Now, quickly shifting over to our fourth topic of this episode, the Devils announced that they will take part in the 2022 Prospects Challenge, which will once again take place in Buffalo from September 15th to the 19th at Lacom Harbor Center in Buffalo. A lot of you guys know, but if you don't know, the Devils have been a part of this Prospect Challenge since it started about, uh, I think it started back in 2015. And, uh, you know, every year, couple of teams, you know, including certainly the Devils and the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, they go with their prospects and they go play a couple of games in like a tournament, basically play three or four games and uh, just give their prospects another chance to play some games. And I think that's a really, really cool thing. And when you look at teams like the Devils and Buffalo, who have two of the top farm systems in the NHL, you're going to see a lot of the potential, you know, big future of not just those teams, but of the NHL, potentially. Now, 
Here's some more information for all of you. For the first time in the history of the Prospects Challenge, six teams will compete in a round-robin challenge featuring prospects from each team. The participating teams this season are the following. The host Buffalo Sabres, the Boston Bruins, the Montreal Canadiens, the Ottawa Senators, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the New Jersey Devils. Now, for the most part in the Prospects Tournament, I have seen the Devils in this in this challenge. I've seen the Devils, the Bruins, the Sabres, and the Penguins. Montreal and Ottawa are the two newish teams to join this. So this should be fun. This should definitely be interesting, especially now with Montreal having such a deep uh, farm system as well. Ottawa's really, really on the up and up. I mean, this is going to be a very exciting prospects challenge to watch. Now, here's the Devils schedule specifically for this challenge. Their first game is Friday, September 16th versus the Canadians, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Then they play the following evening, Saturday, September 17th versus the Buffalo Sabres at 7 p.m. Eastern. And then they wrap up the round robin portion portion of the challenge on Monday, September 19th versus the Bruins at 10 a.m. And I believe all these games will be available to watch on the Devils' website, I believe. So uh, that should be fun. And just another opportunity for us to see the young guys develop and even potentially some guys that uh, could be competing for a spot on the NHL roster to kind of give them a head start prior to training camp opening up, which I think at that point it will only be about a week or two before training camp. So this will be the next, you know, Devils hockey that we're going to get a chance to see. Um, so it'll be about a month and a half from now, but it's going to come up very, very quickly. So the Devils, once again, with their prospects, will be competing in the Prospects Challenge over in Buffalo again from, from September 15th to September 19th. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You could throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and much more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use our promo code THPN to make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions reply. See show notes for details. So now we get to what I personally consider to be the main topic here on this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. I usually like to leave the main topic as the last one, unless it's, you know, really, really, really massive. And it's a, another couple of updates from Jesper Brett and his uh, representatives when it comes to contract uh, extension negotiations and things like that. So here's where we are at this point. According to Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts, which was later confirmed by Ryan Novozinski, there really is no update on where Brat 
and the Devils are on a contract extension. There just hasn't been anything. No, Nobody from the Devils or Jesper Bratt's agent have given anything to the media as to where it is, except the fact that these things take time. Uh, we should mention that Jesper Bratt, who filed for arbitration, his arbitration hearing will be this Wednesday, August 3rd. So obviously, if you guys are hearing this on Monday, it's two days away. If you're hearing it on Tuesday, then it's going to be the next day. And if Jesper Bratt and the Devils go to arbitration, by rule, the Devils can then only give Jesper Bratt a one or two year deal. Afterwards, he will be an unrestricted free agent. Now, in that same sense, the Devils, I believe, later on in the season could then, you know, just rework, you know, find a contract extension and kind of, you know, go from there and make an announcement about it. Um, but the point is, is that um, at some point over the next like couple of days, will Jesper Bratwell have a contract? It only the only question is, is it going to be for just this season or the next two years, or is it going to be long term? Now, another thing to keep in mind. That could happen, not saying it will, but it could, is that the Devils can leave the arbitration deal on the table. And then if that's the case, Jesper Bratt would then be free to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason, which means that no team has to put out a offer sheet or anything that any team can then just go and sign him and the Devils could lose him for nothing. And that would probably be I would consider that to be worst case scenario. I think that would be definitely that if they got to that point, you would definitely look at that and say, that's pretty bad that we lost a core part of our team. Now, for those of you that don't know, Jesper Bratt's agent is Joaquin Person, who I believe has six players that he represents in the NHL. And in my opinion, and I think a lot of people would agree, the top client that person represents is Jesper Bratt. The next guy that was mentioned was Linus Olmark, the starting netminder for the Boston Bruins. And Joaquin Person is a Swedish hockey agent, just to give you guys an idea. He's also known for some pretty serious negotiations, specifically with the Devils. The last time Bratt and the Devils were negotiating, Bratt didn't sign a deal until very late training camp. The season started on the 14th of January. This is the COVID year. And the Devils got a deal done on January 10th. And unfortunately, that wasn't the biggest, that, that wouldn't be the biggest problem. Um, it, it wasn't even the biggest problem after the deal was signed because it was a pandemic and Brat got stuck in Sweden and couldn't return to the United States in time for the start of the year. So if you remember the first couple of games in the 2020, um, in the 2021 season, um, Jesper Bratt wasn't there because the Devils were still trying to get him to come overseas and go through protocols and all that and all that stuff. So th that was obviously not a great contract negotiation. And so when negotiations began a couple months ago between Bratt Brett in, in his um, representatives and the Devils, uh, you knew that there was a good chance it might linger on longer than we would like. And now we've gotten to the point where the Devils have Monday and Tuesday to come to an agreement with Brett's agent on a long-term deal. And if they can't, then it's going to be a one or two year deal. But 
we did get some information on Monday morning that um, might make you believe that it's probably only going to be a one-year deal if it gets to arbitration. On Monday morning, Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet reported the arbitration filings for Jesper Bratt. Jesper Bratt and his agent wants $6.5 million on a one-year deal. I'm assuming it's a one-year deal. The Devils want $4.15 million. So the Devils and Bratt are even relatively far apart on numbers, even though it doesn't seem like it. It still is, sort of, um, even in the arbitration hearings. And again, this is for a one- or two-year deal. This is not for a long-term deal. Because again, as Fitzgerald said a couple months ago, well, about a month ago, that they had made an, a pretty good offer to Jesper Bratt and his agent. And they had, at that time, they were waiting for a response. And so my guess is that they said no, or they went and said, let's try to re rework it. I will say this, and you know, before I make my point, I do want to say Ryan Novozinski also said on Monday, um, R.E. Brett, arbitration numbers, he's being told the Devils are trying to find a, quote, reasonable middle for both parties, end quote. Their filing was, as I mentioned before, the Devils filing was $4.15 million, and Brett's was $6.5 million. So just based off of that, it seems more and more likely that a contract extension will not happen by the time we hit Wednesday um, and that these two sides will have to go to arbitration and then they'll have to make a decision on a one or two year deal and kind of go from there. But I wanted to talk about this really quickly and kind of, you know, get, get my opinion out there. Cause I've talked about it a bunch on social and this is the first time I get a chance to speak about it on the podcast. A lot of this, in my opinion, has a lot to do with Jesper Brad's agent as I mentioned before, a person doesn't have a lot of big name uh, players that he represents. And Jesper Brett is the best uh, player that he has that he's representing. And person wants to get as much money from the Devils as possible so that he can look good throughout the, the agent world and look good for the NHL PA Players Association to where other you know, future and even current NHL Swedish players or players in general may be interested in working with Pearson and having them represent, having him represent them. Um, so that to me is one reason why I think this is going on as long as it is. I think another reason is this. Jesper Brack currently is 24 years of age. I believe that person is not looking for a seven or eight year deal from the devils. Like we've given Jack Hughes and Nico Keisher. I believe that Jesper Bratt and his agent are looking at a potential three, four, maybe even five year deal from the devils, which is still long-term ish, but it allows Jesper Bratt to then go back into free agency at 28, 29 and get an even bigger big money deal from either the Devils or some other team when he would become an unrestricted free agent. And I think the Devils don't want to sign him to just a four or five year deal and feel like that Jesper Bratt technically has one foot out the door, so to speak. Um, so I think a lot of this more is term and not necessarily money. Because in my opinion, if Jesper Brandt wants $6.5 million for a one-year deal, I think you could work out a deal long-term of a six, seven-year deal at like six, 6.5, maybe even seven. I think 
also, if Brandon's agent are asks, are wanting more like seven point five, maybe even eight million dollars a year in a long term deal, I think that Fitzgerald kind of looks at it and doesn't feel fully com- comfortable with it because, as well, look, a lot of us love Jesper Bratt. We love his story, how he came as a sixth-round pick and really, really came onto the scene and became a top-six scoring winger, and he had his best season by far this past year. But it was one year where he showed a lot of, you know, progression. He showed a lot of that goal-scoring ability. Some people, including myself to an extent, are wondering to ourselves, is was this just because it was a walk year for him and that he is trying to prove himself? Or is this the beginning of Jess Brett really, really taking off in the league? And uh, obviously this upcoming season will tell a lot. But I think that there's a factor in that. I think there's a factor to say, you know, it is. was this just a um, shot in the dark? You know, was this just like a little bit of, a, a little bit of what could potentially happen and then it doesn't happen again? You know, who knows? But in my opinion, if the if Brad and his agent are trying to get $7.58 million for a guy who has one year of tremendous work, I can understand why the Devils may not be so willing to give all that money to, um, to him. So I think that at this point, because up until Monday, I felt very confident that a deal was going to get signed. I think now I understand more what's going on, and I think more likely than not, we are going to end up having Jesper Bratt sign a one, maybe two-year deal with us. Um, I I would like to say at like five point five or five point seven five million dollars, because if you want to find a middle ground, that's about as middle ground as you're going to get. Um, and just basically tell Brett, hey man, prove it. Look at Patrick Liney for an example, right? For several years, Patrick Laine was signing one-year qualifying offer deals from whether he was in Winnipeg or in Columbus and basically being told, you got to prove it. Well, he's proved it, and he finally got a relatively long-year deal as he got a four-year contract extension at a pretty good average annual value. If you want to go short, shortish term, I actually think if you gave Jesper Bratt the same contract that Laine got, I think that could be satisfactory to... Brad and his agent, I think it would be satisfactory to the Devils as well. Because then Brad is still here for the next couple of years as this team gets themselves going and is still part of this core. But I think also the Devils don't want to end up losing a guy that they have publicly said is a part of their core and they want him to be here. And Fitzgerald has made it clear he wants Jesper Brad to be here. Jesper Brad has said to the public that he wants to be here. I think it's a lot more about he may want to be here but does he want to be here for seven, eight more years, you know, moving forward while, you know, just like with Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer? I don't know. Is this more about Jesper Bratt? Is this more about Jesper Bratt's agent? A lot of the stuff we don't know. And we'll get an answer, a much clearer understanding of the situation once Wednesday comes along. Or at some point on Monday or Tuesday, we might have a contract extension and then, you know, we'll, we'll be fine. But I will say this, I think regardless of what happens, I think we'll feel relieved once this is kind of like over and then we'll have a clearer picture as to what the devils uh, will do with Brat, not only in the short term, but in the long term. And this is kind of where I did see um, a guy by the name of NHL chips on Instagram at NHL chips. Uh, he shared, it wasn't his um, trade offer. It was somebody, someone else had put it out there. Um, that was talking about 
the potential of if the Devils feel like that Brat is not going to be here long term, and the Devils may be wise to then just move Jesper Brat and get something for him now, even in this offseason, then wait it out and see where it goes. And they also mentioned about the fact that Damon Severson's contract is up at the end of the year and that the Devils want to win and they're looking for goal scoring on the top six. And I've mentioned his name a bunch of times. And again, there is no evidence to, to show that this man is leaving Boston at any time. Because again, other than the report we got back in like two months ago from The Athletic, which uh, this player's agent said that it was hogwash and did not know where, where it's from, this guy will be an unrestricted free agent in 2020-2023. But if the Devils can trade for him and get him to sign a long-term deal, then the Devils found their Jesper Bratt uh, replacement. And I'm talking about um, David Postenock. And I believe the deal was the Devils acquired David Postenock in exchange for the rights to Jesper Bratt, which I guess is Jesper Bratt, uh, Damon Severson, Nolan Foote, and the 2023 first-round pick. Now, I feel somewhat confident that the Devils won't be, you know, deep in the lottery for two th- for the 2023 draft. It's a very deep class. And, you know, you look at a couple of the guys, like obviously Connor Bedard and that really talented uh, forward from Russia, whose name escapes me at the moment. Those are the top two guys. But it's it's one of the deepest classes we will have had in a while. And that's why those picks in that first round in particular are going to be so highly valued. And if the Bruins are really beginning a rebuild, and if they don't feel like they can get Pasternak to sign long-term, um, then maybe the Devils and Bruins could come to some sort of a deal on exchanging guys. I mean, obviously the Bruins would get Jesper Bratt, a younger player who they can get um, for cheaper than what David Pasternak could give them. Uh, a guy like Damon Severson, who obviously could help on their defensive side, and they could also sign to a long-term deal to help you know, with the rebuild and make, I mean, known foot would get an opportunity to play, I believe. And obviously, you know, get a chance to develop somewhere else and they get a 2023 first. Um, I don't know off the top of my head, if the Bruins have their own first round pick for that year, but you know, again, they're able to get a draft pick as well. So it's, I will say this again, very unlikely, but it was something that someone did throw out. Um, I didn't bring it up at all. It was just somebody threw it out and showed it to me. So it's interesting, um, but again, it all goes around if the Devils feel like they have to move Jesper Bratt and if the Bruins feel like they have to move David Postenock and if both sides feel like they can't afford to lose these guys for nothing, then the Devils and Bruins could make a deal. But, that, you know, a lot's going to have to happen before any of that uh, for this to happen. And again, a Jesper Bratt extension could still be happening um, prior to Wednesday. Um so that could that could debunk it. And Dave Bosnock could sign a long-term extension at some point. I've literally looked up information, tried to get anything about Pasternak and some other guys like that, and I've heard nothing. So who knows? Who and obviously the Bruins have a lot of other things they got to worry about as well, like Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci potentially, and also how they're gonna handle the first couple of months with some of their main core guys out, especially on the defensive end. So all this to kind of just wrap up the point of saying. We have to wait and see, unfortunately. 
Uh, these next 24 to 48 hours are going to be really interesting to see if the Devils can really work out a long-term deal. And if they can't, then they'll only have just Brett on contract for another year or two. And then it's up to both sides to make a decision one way or the other, whether they are going to create a long-term relationship or they are going to uh, break up. And Brett will get the opportunity to go play somewhere else and get paid um, handsomely. But it'll certainly be a proven year regardless for Jesper Brett. And it'll be a proven year as well in total for the New Jersey Devils. So do I want Jesper Brett to be here? Yes, of course I do. Do I think it's going to happen long term? Yeah, I, I would have to say it remains to be seen. So we shall see over the next couple of days.